Welcome to Fintech Uncut. The quiz show with candid commentary on the biggest fintech and financial services news of the week that was. Disclaimer, this show is created purely for entertainment purposes and contains segments of sarcasm, satire, parody, and humor. Even if you don't think any of it is funny, the creators do not accept any responsibility or liability for the accuracy of any content shared and reminded you to always fact check everything yourself. And now, it's over to your quiz master. Hello everyone, welcome at Fintech Anka, the quiz show with candid commentary on the week's biggest fintech and financial services stories with, again, the wise guy, the other guy, and Judge Mary. Who would have thought? We are back. Episode 7 is also the first one of 2023 with the same ingredients, hopefully better jokes from the guys, much more insights from the wonderful world of fintech and finance. My name is Rico Kulbergs, your host of the day, of the week. We also have Judge Mary, actually deeper in fintech these days than ever before. Check out her profile on LinkedIn. We have Chris, the wise guy, Skinner, and Andrew, the other guy, Forster, answering our questions. Talk about questions. Our first question for this week is, Emboden has a tendency to sail against the current. Wise guy and other guy, what did she do this time? Well, you may not know this, but Anne is actually a swimming enthusiast and she announced that she's going to be swimming the English Channel as a publicity stunt for um, raise awareness of, uh, of Starling. Does that make her a financial whale? <laughs> oh, sorry, I was just wondering. It's Anne Bowden of Starling Darling. You know, I was guessing that maybe she ate Tom Blomfield's chicken takeaway. <laughs> I, I I I actually think that she's um, taking a bit of a, a lead from Richard Branson, and she's diversifying the portfolio. You know, Richard just went in all directions. So I think she's starting a cruise liner because uh, um, Rick said she's sailing against the current. I think that's where the clue is. Yeah. Well, and then she would dive off and swim the English Channel at the same time. There we go. You've got. I think we Perfect should actually... integration of two markets. Yeah, I like it. I, I'm, I'm guessing maybe she's paid back the bounce back loans that she lost for the government. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> Let's Actually, not go but... there. <laughs> real answer andrew are you on to it well there's there's actually before even the real answer because it's aligned to it um there was news earlier on in december that she's opening a fourth office in manchester in the uk which will be providing over a thousand jobs and that's definitely swimming against the tide you know going against the current uh, um trend of everybody laying off loads and loads of people in financial services um but the big news of this week was that she's um expecting to quadruple her profits um in 2023 after a strong december um which is yeah <laughs> quite a surprise given the number of articles we read about values going down from fintech and neobank um initiatives. And especially mary i think in in the us that's sort of contrary to the way that neobanks and challenges are going out there yes yeah like you know neobanks here have been having a reckoning by both regulations but also like you know profit pressure so um you know we don't really we don't really have so many neobanks going yeah we're profitable <laughs> that would be that would be kind of a remarkable storyline at this point mm -hmm. 
I think the interesting so, thing about Starling hmm. Bank is um, Anne is a seasoned banker. She's been in the markets for a long time. She understands lending and how to make profit. And she did make a dig at the other challenger banks in announcing that they're going to be increasing profits during the year by saying that they weren't one of the stellarly overvalued challenger banks. They've actually been growing, you know, um, organically in a way in which the other banks um, unfortunately leveraged their valuations. So mm -hmm. you know, it, it's an interesting example of how a uh, seasoned banker creates a challenger bank. Yeah, there's more than three three million customers at Starling. Is that am I remembering that right? I, I don't know the, the numbers off the top of my head, but they have grown very well. And I think something else that spurred on their growth, uh, there was a report recently saying that um, SME uh, customers, uh, small to medium enterprises, um, over a quarter of them were considering switching to a challenger bank this year. Um, in 2023. And I think that's also something where she's got a, a specific offering in the SME area as well. So no, they're doing well. Well done. Yeah, in particular, just rounding it up, I guess, is that the growth they're making in small business and business banking has been critical to their success. It's not just consumers. Yeah. Okay. I got my points, Rick. Um, Andrew with a slight edge for getting nailing that answer correctly at first. So Andrew has seven. Chris, you have five. Ooh. All right. But we have more questions. Um, next <laughs> one is definitely, I believe, in the sweet spot of Chris. So I bet he's going to win this one. The Chinese authorities are softening their tone towards fintech amid efforts to bolster the Chinese economy. However, not everyone will enjoy this. What happened? Is it that um, President Z has opened a business account with Starling Bank? <laughs> I, I, I actually know the real story here. It's um, it, because they've been uh, um, re relaxing and trying to encourage more fintechs there. Um, they've invited Boris Johnson to come speak at a conference after his resounding success at the Singapore Blockchain Conference. Uh, last year and and Chris was really upset because Chris was expecting to be the keynote speaker there you know for the $150,000 fee that Boris charges would have been a good one yeah Chris yeah I, I would be up for anything particularly anything in China now that they've relaxed the COVID restrictions and in fact as part of the relaxation of COVID restrictions the uh, People's Republic are going to give every citizen a thousand yuan in a CBDC wallet to use for red letter day gifts during Chinese New Year. Um, is that anywhere close, Rick? I, I, I think <laughs> really, I think not really. I think that it's because um, they they they're coming to sort of the end of their two year crackdown on big tech and and this has been bad news for everybody in silicon valley because um the guys have been focusing there for years learning how to speak spanish to crack the latin american market now they've all got to learn mandarin <laughs> mandarin or cantonese 
Well, Mandarin apparently is the is the most spoken language in China. I did have to Google that just to make sure. Yeah, it, it's simplified Chinese. So, yes. yeah. um, you know, not that all my books have been translated into Mandarin and Cantonese, but I'm not throwing that in for no reason. Um, but they have like code versus low code. I, th I think this is something to do with um, maybe Jack Ma and um, because I've been very close to Ant Financial uh, and throwing in the fact that I wrote a book that included the major case study about Ant Financial called Digital Human that's in Cantonese and Mandarin. Um, <laughs> am I getting boring now, Andrew? You know, like, I, I can keep going. No, 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 I get, I get affiliate income every time your book sells, so it's okay. Just <laughs> Well, oh, you know, you know I, I, I think we were all shocked when the Chinese government um, stopped the IPO of Ant Group uh, a couple of years ago, and um, now they've told Jack Ma to get lost. Is that about right? It's about right. Yes, um, Mary. Do you have more details on the story? Yeah, I mean, um, okay, yeah, so. Ma hasn't been in public since criticizing China's financial sector in 2020. Um, and so, yeah, he's been cut. What, he's, his control is just over 6% now, which feels yep. really incredible. Um, I don't know. It's Anybody else want to? Mm -hmm. It's a shame to see him um, ousted, as it were, um, because he's been you know he's he's been the face of of it and and he's grown it from nothing i mean he, he's an english teacher originally you know that's a that's a a real story that loads of people can get behind mm -hmm. you know, he has this guy who started out as an english teacher and has built this enormous empire and arguably the biggest fintech in the world um would you agree chris in terms of and financial yeah i mean you're talking about a company that processes trillions of dollars a year and in fact on Singles Day, which is the uh, yeah. equivalent of Black Friday in America, um, 11th of November. I mean, they processed billions of dollars uh, on a single day, you know, 500,000 transactions per second or more. And as a technological company, it's fascinating, but it's not without controversy because the background is that, you know, Ant was originally part of Alibaba, which is the biggest trading platform in China. And it split off uh, a decade ago. And when it did, um, a lot of people say that Jack raided the pantry because um, Yahoo owned a good slice of what would be today's ant group. And it was basically ripped away from them suddenly overnight. So you know, it's interesting that the People's Republic is now retrospectively you know, legislating to change these things. You would never see this with Amazon or um, Meta, Facebook um in the usa um but the chinese behave very differently so it's a really interesting case study and and i still watch it very closely because the stuff they do is amazing i, I love the um alipay ability to use my face to pay so you just literally walk up and walk out um and you paid all right, all right. chris I mean, you just threw down tons of info. You get a nine. <laughs> and Andrew, you get a six. May I say both of you had excellent callbacks to begin this, this round of questions. Let's go to the next round, the controversial round. And the first question of that round is, the ECB released a study on payment attitudes of consumers. What was a striking conclusion to keep in mind 
for the central bank digital currency think tanks. Is it that people don't like to pay for things? (laughs) (laughs) I reckon that's up. I would have said the same. Nobody wants to pay for anything and and they'll do everything in their power to delay paying. Otherwise, we wouldn't have BNPL for sandwiches in the States for crying out loud. You know, geez, you can buy a sandwich in three equal installments. What? But then, mind you, the cost of the way the, way the, the cost of things are going in the USA, I can imagine you probably need to be able to pay for it in three installments, particularly in New York. Is this Actually, very... I, don't know, I, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's now um, something called Save Now, Pay Later. So instead of Buy Now, Pay Later, you know, there's a new marketplace actually being launched, which is put your money to one side to pay for what you can't afford tomorrow, which I think is interesting. I... That is interesting. If it's real, I can get behind that one. Yeah, I mean, with the energy crisis and the cost of fuel and everything right now, um, I can see a lot of people saying you know, that they they really want to tighten their belts, cut things back. So maybe the ECB found that not only do people not like to pay for things, but they don't want to spend. They just literally want to cut their you know, budgets. I reckon that I could have saved the C- ECB a ton of money because i expect that this was quite an expensive research report that they could do um I, that they did shall I say and and i think that the long and the short of it is that consumers don't really care about any new ways to pay that consumers just want something that is easy and in their control that's it and as much as we payment geeks and financial services geeks can go like wow this is a new way to pay consumers really don't care about any new ways to pay am i getting close to it there so it's bitcoin (laughs) that's not easy it is very close andrew um Mary, would you like to add on this or shall I take this one? Or does Andrew want to say more? Oh yeah, it's also possible. <laughs> Let's well, really think, test him here, Rick. In, in terms of they don't really care about new ways to pay, uh, the, the short story is cash is still king. That's what the, you know, the long and the short of the ECB report was that uh, cash is still the, the, the primary way to pay at point of sale across Europe. Uh, Digital is gaining still, but in percentage terms, cash still represented 59% of transactions at point of sale in spite of uh, COVID and everything else accelerating digital. In terms of number of transactions, not in terms of value. Correct. In terms of number of transactions. And that's where I'm saying a number of transactions. <clears throat> that's everyday things that people do, right? Yeah, but Point it, of sale, it's, it's, you know, buying a coffee, buying a sandwich, you know, that kind of a thing. But you're missing out the key stat, which is it is down about 13% over the last 10 years. So, it is down. Yeah, it's, it's, it's down a lot and it will continue to go down because behaviors are changing. I mean, when I look at my own personal view of the world around payments, uh, I never use the Apple wallet until COVID came. And and now I use it all the time because it's very easy, particularly here in Poland, um, mm. because everywhere is contactless and you just go, well, you know, I don't even need to take cards out with me, me anymore. So behaviors change based on the incentive to change. And I think that's what the pandemic introduced. And that's the reason why cash payments, although still uh, 
I'm not sure it's king because I think Charles is now king, Andrew. I don't know if you heard that news. Um, but it's it's up there somewhere as the predominant payment mechanism in in transactions, not in value. But it's it's going down. It's going down. It, it, interestingly, in terms of cash, um, you've got places like Nigeria that have just from this year the old uh, banknotes are no longer valid. Um, and they've implemented very strict withdrawal limits on ATMs because they're trying to curb the shadow economy and illegal use of cash in Nigeria. Um, so they are pushing hard to, to, to get Nigeria to go much more digital. They, they really are pushing digital adoption in Nigeria. And, and if you compare, you know, most people look at, at Africa and go, you know, cash is going to be around there for years. Actually, I think Africa is digitizing faster in terms of payments at point of sale and convenience, digitizing faster than a number of areas in Europe, with the well, exception of the Nordics. The Nordics I, are still ahead of everybody. They're skipping and a couple I, of I, I would say the Southern Hemisphere, Asia specifically, are innovating far quicker around digital currencies and capabilities than anywhere in Europe or America. I mean, mm. my favorite example is the India stack and the whole yeah. use of you know digital biometric identities adhar and the unified payments interface and everything they're doing there which is making india a completely cashless economy and a banked economy you know mm -hmm. in the last decade they've seen the number of people who now have access to banking and financial services grow from about 30 percent to 80 percent it's incredible mm -hmm. well, um tangent do I, get, but, do I get a point for that mary you do get a point for that Thank and you. you also made me think of you know cash the issue of cash really showed up in the U.S. when the coin supply issue was going on during the pandemic, where people couldn't get their quarters to do their laundry or something like that. And I thought, such a quirk. This is such a weird thing, but people wanted their, they wanted their change. Mm -hmm. um, all right, Chris, you did get an extra point there, and um, but I would say you're both really fluent on this subject area. But Chris, you get a seven. Andrew, you get a six. Chris is There's, in the lead. I'm going to get Chris on this one. <laughs> I would like to come back to the last question for one a small part of the conclusion from the study. Um, they also said that cash is still considered important by consumers, especially in keeping an overview of expenditures, which I thought was really interesting and also um, a good example of why we shouldn't look at aggregate European numbers. As I remember a guest post on the website of the banking scene, uh, looking at the Netherlands, where that is changing today, in countries where there's a high uptake of digital payments, the usage of cash is seen as an excess money, and which is not controlled that much in terms of expenditures, because these people look at in their their um, mobile apps, etc., how much they spend, and that what they have in cash is considered as a nice little extra. Just want to share that as uh, an anecdote on that question. Just Rick a quick addition, Rick, which is um, I remember talking to a, a design company and they found that some consumers actually keep their credit cards in the freezer, literally in their house. So they have to consciously unfreeze it to use it um, with cash. That's a very good one. <laughs> yeah. Next question. As fast as Formula One cars can drive to the finish, that fast, they can change their minds as well. How can this cryptic message possibly be linked back to fintech and finance? 
think Chris got me there. I'm misbuzzed. <laughs> Fizz buzzed. Um, is it that they all begin with F? Like finance, Ferrari, FU? Good uh, answer. There is, there is one major thing that F1 and FinTech have got in common. They both crash and burn on occasion. If you look at Binance, it's down $12 billion over the last 60 days. And of course, I'm not even touching on FTX and all the other scandals. So has it got to do with crashing and burning? Well, uh, you mentioned FTX and FTX did sponsor a Formula One team, Mercedes. So maybe there's a link between those two somewhere. Um, but I, I imagine it's more like that Ferrari are launching a new digital currency called the prancing horse that can disappear out of your pocket as quickly as a Ferrari. Yeah, I was going to say one of the things most common between F1 and money in my circumstances, how fast it leaves. Yeah, disappears yeah. out my wallet. We need to go back to the freezer with some cash and credit cards frozen there, you know, so we just can't use them. All right. What's the real answer? Well, the real answer is basically that quite a few crypto companies have been involved in sponsoring big ticket items like Formula One and um, Ferrari just lost their sponsor or rather maybe they told them to go in the same way that Mercedes did with the FTX, something like that. Wasn't it a, a it wasn't a sponsor, it was a like a partnership deal, wasn't it, that Ferrari had with a, uh, a company to mint NFTs? Um, and because I can remember reading an article about Ferrari and this particular company um, and the article itself, there's a tiny little caption that says, get an NFT minted of this article. And I thought, is, is that not Ferrari tokens, NFT? Oh, not Ferrari. <laughs> Good one. Actually, I might concede that Chris might have to get extra points for that one. Not Ferrari tokens. Well, Chris gets extra points for using the word prancing. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Rick, do you have anything to add to this uh, dialogue? No, not really. It was indeed about digging partners uh, that are involved in the old crypto space. So, yeah. All right. So, Chris, again, you're leading here. Come on, Andrew. You gotta, you gotta throw it down. All right, Chris, you get an eight. Andrew, you get a five. <laughs> Brutal out there. Still chance to steal. Two more questions to go. And we're getting to your favorite round right now. Um, the WTF round. First question. After being rejected by Formula One, crypto got another fancy space to get attention. What is it? Beat you again, Andy. Yeah. Um, I think this is basically the crypto is now moving to Twitter and Elon Musk is launching tweet coins. Well, I don't know about tweet coins. I think that Chris, uh, that Rick nearly gave it away there because they got into another fancy space. So I think that Elon Musk, it's Mars coins. It's got to be getting into space with Mars coins. That's got to be the one. And of course, we have to bring up Elon Musk as our unofficial not sponsor until we get a sponsor that can stop us from speaking about Elon he doesn't Musk. Even, he doesn't even like our shows. <laughs> he will. 
<laughs> this doesn't we have to mention yeah. is Prince Harry, obviously. And so maybe it's to do with Prince Harry's new book is now selling for one Dogecoin. <laughs> really? It's worth that much. And I didn't think Dogecoins were worth more than about 15 pence. But anyway. <laughs> maybe maybe I, it's half a Dogecoin. I, I think that uh, when we're talking about fancy spaces, there's nothing quite as fancy as um, New York uh, posh places to go and eat. And there's a crypto themed bar that's just opened up in New York um, with a menu from a, a chef that's come out of a Michelin starred restaurant. Actually, Chris, it might be a good place to do dinner with Skinner there. Um, so you might have to look into that. The funny thing is that you can't actually pay with crypto, even though it's a crypto themed bar, but that is a fancy space that crypto's got into there. Mary, before they start linking it to the movie of Barbie for because it's fancy one way or another, perhaps we should go to the real answer here. Yeah, let's let's get let's get down to business. Either of you know what's up? <laughs> I was taken aback this week, and this may be to do with it by the fact that um, the El Salvador entered a lady into Miss Universe, which. I'm not sure these days under um, you know, gender and LBTQ plus, et cetera, you should have a Miss Universe even, uh, wearing a Bitcoin. And that was kind of like, what the hell? Uh, but it was representing all the currencies of El Salvador. And when you mentioned earlier Nigeria, uh, Andrew, I mean, it is interesting that the South American nations and the African nations have really embraced the idea of crypto i'm sure that they're not particularly happy about the price of crypto right now but um you know the promotion of by el salvador of bitcoin in such a major contest was quite notable or it was from my side anyway it was a wtf moment i have to have to uh, just warn viewers that she didn't only wear one bitcoin it was rather a large thing just in case people think that it uh, you know it was just uh, bitcoin uh, someone did his research it, it, was, it was a bit it was a bit of a coin <laughs> it, yes it's more, it was what they're places. saying is it's more than pasties in fact we have a description here um leather rhinestones cloth and iron are all materials used for this little number um uh, definitely a what the what uh, what the fuck moment <laughs> wtf mary is Andrew yes. still making a chance this no episode? he's gonna have to score like a 22 andrew um but <gasps> you still could score a 22 but chris got seven this round andrew got five I want, I want flair. I want dance. I want <laughs> uncomfortable right. candor, Andrew. My last question for you guys. Would you like to test your buzzer first, Andrew? My finger's working this time. It works. All right. <laughs> last question. GP Morgan recently mistakenly bought itself a Frankenstein. Can you tell us what were they supposed to buy instead? They were supposed to buy another private jet, um, the one that Goldman Sachs CEO has to give up because he took seven private holidays in the private jet in seven consecutive weeks last year. So now he's under a bit of scrutiny for doing that. Weren't they supposed to buy the private jet? Mm, I'm not sure about that. I mean, I often talk about Bankenstein and that most banks are stitched together with a lot of dead parts that don't work anymore. Um, but... 
someone points out to me when I reference Frankenstein or Bankenstein that the doctor was Frankenstein, the monster was the creature. So maybe they brought something from the Black Lagoon or wherever. I, I don't know. You know, they got some creature in the house. I think I think you're closer there. I think that what they were supposed to do was buy the Frankenstein board ape NFT that is for sale on OpenSea at the moment. And then they heard Jamie Dimon say at the conference recently that Bitcoin was a decentralized Ponzi scheme and he would fire any of his employees that he found involved in Bitcoin. So then the team went, oh, we can't buy the the Frankenstein board ape NFT. So they went off and they found something else called Frank instead. He's getting ah. a bonus. <laughs> That's very well Frank instead. That sounds <laughs> like you may have hit the button. You may have hit the button, but still, nonetheless, what's your real answer? They bought Frank. They bought a company called Frank, which was uh, supposed to be um, a fintech to help students through the loan application process for college loans, university loans in the USA. What they didn't know, however, is that the CEO at the time, the founder, um, had actually completely fraudulently built up a completely fictitious list of a couple of million people that were supposed to be on the platform. And there were only a couple of hundred thousand and even those weren't using it. And apparently the entire thing was a scam. So JP Morgan are suing her for fraud at the moment. So Frank was a prank that could go with a non-Ferrari token that prances out like a prancing Frank. Yeah, no. Oh, no, no, Chris you... getting a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, you are getting a bonus. But Andrew, you're getting you're getting the like points for being right. <laughs> so yeah. mm -hmm. Mary. Yeah. What are the points for this 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 question? This the points for this question are Chris gets a nine. Andrew gets an eight, so Chris is the winner! Hello, 2023. <laughs> so yeah, Chris is the winner of the day. Thank you all, everyone, for listening or for watching. I cannot wait for more international fintech news coming soon. If you like our show, make sure you register on our website for the newsletter to be the first to know about a new episode. If you're a big fan, you can find the link for merchandise on that same website. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever channel you're on. This was the seventh episode of Fintech and Cut, and we hope to entertain you, your colleagues, your friends, your connections and followers, your cats and dogs, and everyone else very soon again. Thanks again for watching and listening. See you next week. Bye-bye.